Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here, of course, with Roster Watch co founder and managing partner Byron Lambert. Uh, if you like the podcast, you want to support us, please go to RosterWatch.com, get a pro membership. We're coming into the biggest time of the year as we're getting ready to head out for the Senior Bowl. Um, we're going to head out to the NFL Combine and, of course, the Roster Watch epic and maniacal travels and travails through the Pro Day season, the Roster Watch Pro Day Tour. So uh, go, give us a, go give us a follow on Twitter, at Roster Watch. Get a Roster Watch Pro membership at RosterWatch.com. And if you could, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please go subscribe, rate, and review with a killer five-star rating. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this pod, Byron. We're going to talk. Um, we're getting back into the two pods a week, too. So um, we're going to have the DFS podcast probably come out at some point on Friday for the uh, for the two day four game slate over the weekend. But we might uh, discuss a couple of DFS first thoughts. But this is just a general kind of NFL uh, news, NFL draft, dynasty sort of. Uh, kind of podcast. So I just want to go over a couple of uh, news and notes here uh, with Byron before he gets into some of this dynasty stuff that he was itching to talk about. The first thing I just wanted to ask you, Byron, is what do you think about Matt Nagy to the Chicago Bears? I was really hoping for Josh McDaniels, but I mean, I, it seems like everybody's trying to find their Sean McVay right now. So I can't really blame him. And Andy Reid gushes about the guy. Uh, it's a good fit for Trubisky's skill set, I believe. Well, it's, it, you know, one of the things that we heard a lot of analysts talk about and something that we certainly noticed uh, watching Trubisky in college was there was North Carolina's usage of all the uh, run pass option stuff. And whenever you hear Matt Nagy talk, it's just a whole lot of talk about the RPO game. I think that they're going to be able to get Mitch Trubisky going in a way that we really didn't see this year as far as you know uh, how he's going to be able to get things done off play action with those run pass options it's going to be really exciting for what they can do to get uh Tariq Cohen involved and what they can do to maybe open some things up for Jordan Howard in the run game I feel like Jordan Howard if Matt Nagy is anything if his um if his insertion is anything like a Sean McVay you got to think what can we learn from this year about taking these coaching changes into consideration as far as dynasty, as far as looking into redraft next year. And it makes me think that, look, Jordan Howard's going to be super... Where do you think Jordan Howard's going to go in redraft next year? Depends on if it's standard or PPR. All right. So where do you think it's standard? Uh, Probably... 
late first round high, second round. You think he's so, still so, a, a so maybe maybe late first? maybe mid maybe mid mid second round to late first round. I feel like I feel like the fact that he's going to be remembered as somebody that played on such a bad offense that let people down all the time because of his uh, his his touchdown dependent nature and and a guy who got phased out of games whenever game script got away from him. I think it, I mean at least in maybe I just think of things more from a PPR perspective because he doesn't p- present that pass catching floor that's going to save you on a week in and week out basis even when he doesn't get the uh, 20 touches and the two touchdowns that he got in some of his monster games. But I, th- I think in PPR, he's not going to go till the th- mid-third, maybe end of the third. And um, I just I think it reminds me of a little bit, uh, you know, to probably, you know, I'm not saying he's a Todd Gurley. He, he's, he's not that kind of player. But it reminds me a little bit of Todd Gurley being, you know, passed over and slept on this year. People not taking into account that of the importance of the change there in that offensive coordinator and what that can do, especially whenever it's a guy like uh, a guy like Matt Nagy who showed at least when he took over play calling duties from Andy Reid that last game, not notwithstanding it, boy, how much does it tell you about how much Travis Kelsey means to the Kansas City Chiefs that after he goes out they can't get anything done? I don't know if that has to do with the ineptitude of Andy Reid and and his uh, you know second half performance in playoff games or what or whether it has to do with Travis Kelsey getting concussed after getting off to a monster start in that game but you know that game notwithstanding we saw that Matt Nagy whenever he took over play calling duties what was his MO it was get the ball in the hands of the guys who are really good the Kareem Hunts the Tyree Kills the Travis Kelsey's that guy for the Chicago Bears is most certainly a Jordan Howard so I think that I think that this looks good for them uh, I just, um, you know, I just as we're trying to kind of look forward and glean lessons from this last year, I think an important lesson from this last year that everybody should have taken a lot more seriously was the effect of Sean McVay, you know, this young hotshot offensive coordinator there in that system that already had some talented pieces in place that were just underutilized by a stodgy old, you know, head head coach and his assistants that were there. I feel like John Fox sort of fits that pro that same Jeff Fisher profile. So, it, uh, I mean, well, my estimate on Jordan Howard's ADP and standard is basically what I'm predicting is a rise in his ADP that. I'm estimating what I think it'll become draft season, and I'm estimating a rise in his ADP due to the factors that you've outlined. Um, we were all over the Todd Gurley thing at Rams camp the last couple of years. I mean, the fact is Jordan Howard cannot catch the football. He he cannot. I, I do not believe he can have that type of role. Well, so what does this mean in for the NFL? Cohen? I think it's it's good for Tariq Cohen. I mean, Tariq Cohen is a good player, and he's going to continue with a nice role there on third down. Uh, Jordan Howard just simply cannot catch the football, and it's a real problem in Dynasty. It's a real problem in PPR. Uh, I and dude, and you know me, I I fucking love Jordan Howard. I think he's one of the sickest natural runners in the NFL. He's a beast of a volume running back. I mean, he is a v- excellent NFL running back. Fortunately, the guy can't catch the football, man. It's a limited upside situation for him. Um, I, I have my concerns about whether it can be a Todd Gurley or not because of that. But to your point, I think there's nowhere to go but up, and that'll be the narrative. And I've been saying for weeks 
that I love Mitch Trubisky and that I think the one of the biggest stories of the offseason was going to be the development of Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. And here it goes, man. As far as um, switching topics here, but staying on running backs, as far as Derrick Henry, what a monster week last week. You know, we talked about it on the DFS pod that we love Derrick Henry. He's a beast. I had I, I couldn't get him into my lineups just because, as I discussed on the pod, I had worries about that game script getting away from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, to a certain degree, it sort of did in the first half before that big comeback. But it's just what we did notice last week is that Derrick Henry, when he gets when he's in there for all the snaps, they keep they keep going to him. Um, through throughout the throughout the game, you know they they don't the, the the Titans really never got away from the run last week, even when it appeared that they were down and out. This week, Demarco Murray, as far as uh, yesterday's Tuesday's practice, he was sidelined again. Um, even if he does go, ESPN's Cameron Wolf said that it would be Derrick Henry's show regardless. My question is, what like what has taken so long for one? For two, where are you on Derrick Henry coming into next year? Do you think that, I mean, is it a foregone conclusion that they're going to try and cut ties with DeMarco Murray, or do you think that they're going to, this is going to be a situation that continues to swindle us uh, for for a, yet another year with, that they can, that these idiots can't see what a sick beast Derrick Henry is when you give him volume and even the, you know, even the way that he's performed in these last two weeks when he's got the opportunity. And as you said on Twitter, on the Roster Watch Twitter, it's taken an injury for De- to DeMarco Murray for these donks to see this. How do you see it playing out? Because he did sign the four-year $25 million deal, which had uh, $12.5 million guaranteed back in, I believe, was it 2016? He's been there for two years now. So it'll be, a, it'll be, you know, he could be back. He could be back and it would suck. You know what I'm surprised about is not a comeback attempt by the Titans. Like we've known that Derrick Henry is a very good all, receiver. All of his gar- all of his guaranteed money has already been paid. Yeah, I mean, I hope he's not back. He has zero, a, I mean, zero zero dead cap in the in the 2018 season at age. So you say you say what's taken so long? I mean, you said it earlier. The stodgy old NFL types, man. That's what's taken so long, and. I'm interested to see that it really was 23 rushing attempts for Derrick Henry in that comeback. That's a game script where he's as good of a receiver as he is. I kind of pictured he could still be in the game plan just based on the fact that he's a great receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, but we talked about but that how, was, we that, talked about how well the Chiefs even if they guard against they, that. Yeah, they 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 can't cover slot guys for shit or outside wide receivers for shit over on the left side of the of the uh, offensive formation. But for some reason, they can cover the hell out of these running backs out of the backfield. So that was a worry. And even though it was a worry and he didn't necessarily get the targets, he, he kept getting the football. It was like he was game it's like he was game Yeah, so proof. if Derek if DeMarco Murray's gone, Derek Henry will be a probably a top five fantasy pick for me next year. Maybe I'll take him in front of David Johnson. You will. And yes, with a better offensive line and a better quarterback, I certainly will. That's a, a hot take. Offense. Well, coming <laughs> come, come That's white hot. Um uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Derrick Henry's a freak, man. We know it. We've always said it. I think he operates in the Todd Gurley, Fournette, Zeke Elliott stratosphere of things, man. He's that kind of beast. And uh, look, if if Murray's back, I mean, I'll and I'll pursue him from any. I'll pursue him in dynasty from any frustrated Derrick Henry owners. I mean, this is a guy that I I just want my mitts on him at some point. It's been frustrating 
you know, to net to date. I know that. Um, but I'll keep taking my chances on Derrick Henry, man. Do you? All right. Well, we'll talk about some of the DFS implications this week. But just everybody who I like is kind of in such weird spots this week. I feel like I feel like it's kind of a I don't know, kind of a kind of a tough thing. You have the you have the Pittsburgh guys who you want to play, but they're playing Jacksonville. You have Derrick Henry who you'd like to play, but is Belichick going to try and take him away? Somebody something tells me that Belichick's going to want to take away Delaney Walker, but I I, I don't know that we can talk about. We could talk about DFS here after a while. What do you think about um, so Gruden in as uh, in as head coach of the 49ers? What are your thoughts about Greg Olson as the offensive coordinator? Well, you know, I said for a long time that was the sneaky hire behind Sean McVay, him and Matt LaFleur last year in Los Angeles. Everybody's talks about McVeigh, you know, that's the big, that's the easy thing to talk about for the media types, but it was us digging around on those assistant head, those assistant coaches that were hired last year that we thought were a big part of that process they were putting together there. And so, I mean, Greg Olson, he's been around, man. He's been around. He's been in Oakland before. He's had a long time history. He's had his ups and his downs, but you know how the coaching carousel goes, man. He's done a great job there in Los Angeles and uh, his name is hot. He's worked with Gruden before. I think it's just fine. It's just fine. Derek Carr needs some help. They got it. You look, talked about getting Jeff Fisher and John Fox out of there. Jack Del Rio, another defensive guy that seems to only be able to take an organization so far. Bring in the offensive minds to groom this quarterback. If this team's going to win, that's the future of the Raiders. So they got to find out. And it's like John Gruden said, man, we're going to make Derek Carr very uncomfortable, but we're going to bring a system to him that can unlock the entirety of his potential. How? Let me just ask you this. Getting back to Demarco Murray, how can they keep him? I mean, it's a six point five million dollar cap hit with no dead money associated. Well, they would do a different deal. But he's gone, right? I mean, that's what we've been saying for. We've been anticipating he'd be gone this off season for for two years now. And so, yes, I'd like to say that that is the plan, but. We'll have to see how it goes. Teams like they clearly like a veteran running back presence on that team. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure Demarco is. He's not going to get a lead job anywhere else. And you know, he 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 may or may not be ready to retire. I'm not sure Demarco wouldn't mind coming back for on a cup two year deal for a couple million each year. You just got to hope that they turn the reins over to Henry, but you know with somebody as good as DeMarco behind him, that guy will still be playing. So we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, we'll we'll be hot on that with John Robinson at the Combine. CBS Sports. Um, I guess is 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 Jason Lockaforce still still with uh, CBS Sports? I don't know if he is, I, whether he got fired or what he is. I see it seems him like creep. It seems like he tweets too much political bullshit to be one of, to still be hired by one of these companies. I, I see him. I see him creep around in Lindsay OK's mentions. Lindsay, oh, the Lindsay OK from Baltimore, the one who hates Matt Ryan. Well, you know, yeah, right. Well, well, uh, Lock of Four lives in Baltimore, so maybe he goes. Yeah. Maybe he goes and kind of creeps, creeps, <laughs> slides into those DMs. He tries uh, to. He tries to slide. <laughs> Um, but anyway, he had a tweet that, uh, the Steve Sarkeesian, he could end up as the Seahawks offensive coordinator and dude, how the times have changed. 
that Daryl Bevel is now fired as, as Seahawks offensive coordinator. Do you? I mean, how long ago was it that he was always like every year, sort of the hottest name for head coaching searches? But he could never interview because the Seahawks were always going to, uh, you know, always going late in the playoffs with Russell Wilson there at the start of his career. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Um, reminds me a lot of Shula in Carolina. I mean, just with Cam and with Russell Wilson, it's just those offenses, they, they, for all the good players and the good quarterbacks that are on both of those teams, league MVP type quarterbacks, Super Bowl quarterbacks, I think it's a tough job. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the stodginess of the NFL, it seems really tough to put an offense around those players with continuity. At least it has been for those two coordinators. And they've had some really great moments, Super Bowl moments. But uh, why would Sarkeesian leave the Falcons to go to the Seahawks? Pete Carroll. Is that just the deal? And Sarkeesian also coached Washington, right? Yeah, did did he? Yeah, well, I know he was uh, when he got. He was a husky, he, isn't that where he was? Yeah, on, isn't so. that where? I think he got yeah. he got fired from USC for being a little bit loose lipped after he drank yeah, some but beers. They, but his old his old. Team, his old players from Washington came out and said Sark used to he used to hammer a few beers down around halftime around there too. Uh, around halftime? <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought what I thought what it was is that he was getting ready to talk to the uh, to like the board of boosters. And apparently, when he went out there to talk, man, people smelled people said that uh, I think there was some kind of possible liquor cabinet that he has like in the coach's office or something like that where he might have taken a few swigs before going out there to deal I, with this stuff. I, I have a feeling when you're hammering it down like that, it's, it's with, with great frequency. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, maybe he's like, maybe he likes the West Coast. I don't, it just seems so stupid. Why would you leave? I mean, or is it something where Quinn wants him to leave? People there haven't been exactly happy with him, despite the fact that. Yeah, could be, could be, right? Could be. There's been some rumblings. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Let's see if this. Let's see what happens to the Falcons. The Falcons. Falcons have set themselves up for a nice run here. Well, do you want to just get into it? Let's get into your first thoughts about this DFS slate before we get into the dynasty stuff that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I haven't. I just undertaken my very first step in the process this week. Uh, for my DraftKings lineups. And so before I go actually in there and start looking at pricing and my mind becomes sullied with all these notions, one of my first step in the process every week is just to go look at the over-unders and the spreads and just to kind of think about these matchups a little bit. So we've got the DFS pod coming up for you guys here in a couple of days. I'm That'll be much more in depth, but just some general initial thoughts about each of the contests. I mean, the first thing I noticed that the, you know, the highest over-under game is the 47-point game, uh, 47-point over-under in New England uh, and Tennessee. And the next one right behind that is 45-pointer New Orleans at Minnesota. And the other two are, you know, only down there at 41 points. So it's not a very high-scoring week in terms of projections from Vegas. But the two contests where there looks – like there could be the most points are the New England, Tennessee, and Minnesota, New Orleans. So what is the, what first... is the line in the what is the line in the Patriots game? Minus fourteen. No, I'm sorry. What's the over under? I mean, forty seven. So I mean, it looks it looks like there's a lot of points that could be scored by the Patriots in that game, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly, right. exactly. 
Um, so I guess the start the start with the early game is um, Atlanta at Philadelphia over unders forty one points. Uh, I think it's Atlanta by three and a half. And I, and I'm I'm assuming that Atlanta is I'm assuming that the over under is this low in this game strictly because of Nick Foles. I mean, tell me if you think that's wrong, but I would otherwise I would have expected it. If it was Carson Wentz versus yeah, Matt Ryan, yeah, it would have been a lot yeah, higher. So, so what that tells me then is I like the over. Uh, yeah, I like the over, and I also think that Atlanta, it, even though it's a low over under game, that I typically would say, uh, I don't know. It makes me think that Atlanta's could be the one to score the bulk of those forty one points with Nick Foles at the helm, and so. My initial thought is, who am I interested in on the Falcons? And man, people, man, people are treating Nick Foles like he's trash. He's not trash. It's just, I mean, it's recency bias. He was bad for he's he was he left a bad taste in people's mouth over the course of that last game and the you know the last what one qu- one half of a quarter that he played before he got taken out of the meaningless um, game. It was that the meaningless Week Seventeen game. So it's like, I mean, Nick Foles has been good. You know, just, at points he, in his career, he's, he's been bad under Jeff Fisher, just like, you know, just like Case Keenan was bad under Jeff Fisher, just like Jared Goff was bad under Jeff Fisher. I just haven't seen a guy who can or is willing to throw the ball outside the hash marks. And I just, I know the corners are good in Atlanta. And so, I mean, Zach Ertz is, you know, Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar, I think is, you know, I might be, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough sledding. Tough sledding for the Eagles. I haven't even looked know. at DK pricing yet, so I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't gonna, looked gonna, either. I don't. See. I, we'll have the I don't whole want DFS to... pod list. So we'll my DFS my pod. initial thought is that if I'm interested in anybody in this game, it's in the Falcons, and I, I, usually I'm uninterested in Julio Jones, but this week I might be interested in Julio Jones. A very initial thought. I we think those DBs in Philly are pretty good young DBs, but I think that's a group that Julio can do some pretty big work on in. Feels like something's coming for Julio here sooner than later. With the volume that he's getting, like I say, I'm getting him in every week. Like at, like now, they're actually trying to force the football to Julio Jones. They're actively trying to do it. And if they're trying to do that, and Julio Jones is is motivated and, and healthy, I'm going to get him in every time. I, I wish Julio Jones was in this sort of spot, in this sort of... Uh, and the offense was in this sort of mode all the time. Because then I'd always want to own Julio Jones in fantasy football. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see if his pricing is depressed or not this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, the next game is the high over-under game, the highest of the week. Uh, New England at home against the Tennessee Titans. New England is favored by 14 points and a 47-point um, over-under. And so uh, kind of, you know, my first thoughts on that one, Alex, I mean, you mentioned it is that if you – if you run the math there, that says that the Patriots are probably going to score a lot of points. So, you know, the first thing is what New England stack do I want to try to concoct for this game? And I mean, the what I know immediately is that after what Travis Kelsey was doing last week to the Titans, that I'm very interested in Tom Brady to Rob Gronkowski in this matchup. What's the over-under, like 48, something like that? 47. 47. 47. So what? That's 23 and a half. So he has had seven on to once. So it's uh, 30 and a half on one side and then what? 17 and a half on the other, something like that. 17 something. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just. Uh, I, I mean, I loved what Kelsey it, was doing. It, it's a, last week, so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you, Kelsey was set to go for a monster. It should be a Gronk. The, it's just with the with the. With the um, with being such a heavy home favorite, though, so it would generally line up to be another game where I'd say just to you know smash in Deion Lewis. But we have Rex Burkhead now back healthy. He was practicing Tuesday. James White even got in a limited practice on Tuesday. So you know if we're gonna have a you know if we're gonna Tennessee have it back Tennessee to- played okay against Kareem Hunt, right? I mean, I don't maybe they just didn't give him enough touches. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know. It's just generally a that big a home favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested in the running backs. It's just a con- convoluted and cockamamie running back situation there that I don't really know what to make of it. I'm sure that Gillisley will be inactive again this week, uh, but maybe you know people are so used to going with Dion Lewis. If Burkhead's back healthy again, maybe Burkhead would be the way you go if his price is somewhat depressed. I'll be interested to see how that looks. Well, that'll be the trick to really figuring it out. I mean, I think in principle, I'm immediately interested in Brady to Gronk based on what I saw Kelsey doing last week. I think the thing, getting the running back situation will be the thing that's like kind of that extra key to that game stack to to differentiating there. And then what do you think about, I mean, we saw Tyreek Hill have some chances to break the game open last week against the Titans. Just, I mean, Against Cooks is a, Cooks is a very similar player. Yeah, so I mean, and and people are going to be saying the same thing we were saying last week that this isn't a good matchup for Cooks because Adore can match his speed. With that being said, Adore is still a rookie, you know, and he can get beat by these guys. There were a couple plays, like you said, that could have been slate slate busters last week that uh, he'll either drop or he was overthrown on. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, it's just it's just so you know Chris Hogan's coming back, and for me, it's just these when these Patriots are getting healthy, it's just really hard to decide where the production is going to be going. You know, is it a Hogan week? Is it an Amendola week? Is it a Gronk week? Is it a Cooks week? Is it a James White through the air week? Is it a you know Burke? Well, that's week? why that's why I kind of think. Brady to Gronk just based on the tape last week with yeah. what was going on with Kansas City. That, that's the thing I feel safest with. Nonetheless, there's going to be some Patriots game stack in there. It's going to be hard to figure out that probably is going to work. you know. But on the other side of that game, I'm, I'm not – I know Belichick's going to cook something up for a few of these players on the Titans side. I may, I, I may still be interested in Marcus Mariota this week. In a, in a game script where he's got to come back on the, uh, on the road in a big playoff game – I, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to see his pricing, but it might be a way to get more of the Gronkowski's, more of these high-priced guys in your lineup, and maybe you can pivot to Mariota as your quarterback on the other side of that thing. I mean, I'm with Alex. Is you know my notes here? Is Belichick gonna take away Derrick Henry or Delaney Walker? I'm not sure. And then the receivers. I mean, I've the Patriots corners. I've liked them lately, and so I don't like Decker or Corey Davis, but I like maybe. If a Rashard Matthews is in the slot and Belichick is focused on a Delaney Walker, he's a wide receiver I could start to think about. I'm not sure what to make of it all yet, but I, even though the even though the Titans are big dogs on the road, I'm I'm not I'm not sure I might I may go back to the Mariota well again this week. It's I'm not sure. I don't I'm not, I, I don't know. Mariota his price has come up a little bit, not too much this week, but it has come up to uh, 50, uh, I'm I'm looking at the pricing now. Fifty nine hundred. Hey, let's play a little pricing game. If 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 Mariota is fifty nine hundred, what do you think Foles is? 
Foles is probably like what fifty six hundred or fifty five hundred or something. No, he's a little bit cheaper than you would have thought. He's fifty two hundred. The only quarterback who's less expensive than Foles is Bortles down there at five K. You mentioned um Well that's interesting. You, you mentioned uh uh yeah, well I, I, we can talk about Jacksonville in a second. But you mentioned um Rashard Matthews maybe out of the slot. I don't know how much has Rashard Matthews played really in the slot? Um I'm not sure he's played that much. Well, maybe they had Corey Davis in the slot a, a little bit last Here, week. Whoever's, whoever's in the slot would be the guy I'd be interested in. I don't like any of those guys against the outside corners of the Patriots. Yeah, I think it was uh, – let me look and see here. So that was the wild card round last week. So let me look and see what the slot stuff was. I was just imagining Gilmore on Corey Davis. Um, for the wild card, For the wild card round – Let's see, Tennessee. Here, I'll pull it up in a second. You can move on to the next game. I'm, I'm still having to get it pulled up. The next game on the slate, out the aforementioned Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. It's a 41-point over-under, so it's a low over-under prediction by Vegas. Jacksonville is eight-point dogs on the road. My initial thoughts about this game, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh, are that I'm interested in the running backs. I thought LaShawn McCoy looked pretty good against Jacksonville last week. Um, I certainly think if LaShawn McCoy could look good on a bum ankle that Le'Veon Bell might be able to go pretty big against him, especially since I love that Jacksonville secondary. Um, Fournette on the other side of the ball. I know Alex was tweeting that the it sounds like TJ Watt and these guys are giving some special attention to their They're embarrassed. They say they have to, a bad taste in their mouth from that 185 yard game in week yeah, five. Leonard Fournette ran rough shot over him. And you know, and when we went to the well with Fournette last week, didn't exactly work out. I I, I will consider going back to I don't think Fournette is healthy. I don't think he's. I do not think he's a hundred percent. Why the fuck did they play him for eighty nine percent of snaps in that and, meaningless week and, seventeen game? Then and even Tony Romo said it. Romo said, "Look, I because Romo said I like Fournette. I've watched a lot of tape from him all year. He liked Fournette, but he said I'm just not seeing the same pop lately that I saw early in the season. And he said when I and Leonard mentioned to me, he said, "Man, this is a really long season. This thing just keeps going on and on." It's a long season for a rookie. I, I just don't think he looks like he has the same juice. But nonetheless, my initial thought is in the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game and the low under over-under game, I'm immediately more interested in Fournette and Le'Veon Bell than anybody else. And I might be interested in Juju if it's going to be Jalen Ramsey with Antonio Brown and uh, I, you know, I might be interested in Juju in that one. You know, I like Aaron Colvin. Uh, we've always liked Colvin, but I'm not sure he's a guy that can cover Juju, man. The uh, Out of the slot for the Tennessee Titans last week, it was Eric Decker almost exclusively. He ran 89% of his snaps out of the slot. So then I'll go back to the well with Decker maybe this week, and he'll be the cheapest one. I, I like that better, actually. Yeah, he will be I just always one. thought of Decker as an outside receiver, but definitely that's great not, news. Definitely not Corey Davis. <laughs> he only 2.8% two, yeah. 2. of his snaps out of the slot, 25.7 for Rashard Matthews. So, you know, Eric Decker last week was the slot guy. They've been changing that up over the course of the last couple of weeks. But, um, so yeah. in that case, I'm going to go with the cheapest guy, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm changing that. Decker would be a potential. 
We'll get into it in a lot more detail when, yeah. we, when we do the DFS. Box. And then kind of the last one is the Saints at Minnesota. It's the other higher over high-ish over under game, 45 points. Do you remember New what World- Thielen and Diggs did against these assholes to start at the start of the year? Yeah, so they went huge in week one. Now Thielen was all organic production. Diggs had a big game on the on the yardage, but he had the two touchdowns. So, you know, the immediate question is who is Lattimore gonna be on? Who am I more interested in? Uh out of those, you know, two receivers, that's one of the immediate questions. Any thoughts on who Lattimore might be covering in this one, Alex? I think it might be Diggs. You think? Yeah, probably. I, th- yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, let me look back at the. Uh, was there me? Was their Week Seventeen game meaningful? I the forgot. Vikings. Yeah, I don't think. Let's see. This. I don't believe so. Let's see. Let me just look at week 16 and 17 and just see where they were, where these guys were lined up because Thielen was moving out of the slot a little bit more. You have Thielen in the slot 54.2% of the time. Jerry is right. Um, only ran 12 routes, but – or wait, only ran 13 routes, but was in the slot for most of his routes. So when Jerry is right comes in, uh, I guess – that means that Adam Thielen kicks out of the slot, but he runs half of his routes in the slot, whereas Stephon Diggs only runs a quarter of his in the slot. I don't think that they want to move Marshawn Lattimore in, so I think that Marshawn Lattimore, yeah, I think he would see a little bit more Stephon Diggs. Yeah, sure. so, and, and like I said, Thielen had the – his was like 167 yards or something in that game. I mean, it was, it was huge. So I think Thielen comes into focus. Uh, in terms of the Saints side of the ball, the first thing that comes to my mind is – the only, I think the main saint that I'm interested in is Alvin Kamara in a in a in this game. I like him on the fast track. I like him possibly in a come from behind effort. I don't like Mark Ingram so much against that front, and I don't really like Michael Thomas that much against Xavier Rhodes. So, um, initial thought is that I like Alvin Kamara this week. Um, Adam Thielen is probably the Vikings wide receiver I'm steered toward. And then, and then the other question here, Alex, as I went back and looked, is that. Uh, we just saw the Saints give up the big game to Christian McCaffrey. And then when we saw the Saints play at Minnesota in week one, they gave up a big game on the ground to Dalvin. Now, it wasn't pass receptions, but it was just on the ground. So they gave up big game to Dalvin in week one. They gave up a big game to Christian McCaffrey last week. So made me wonder, is it maybe is it going to be Jarek McKinnon this week, who I went back and looked, and he had some targets for – he had about three targets for – 30-something yards in week one. And so he was involved in that portion of the game. So it makes me think, does McKinnon kind of get a get to do what McCaffrey did last week against these Saints? And that and was those, while Dalvin was still, you know, he had Yeah, those. he had the 22 touches in that game, but it was all on the ground. But that's what made me say, well, wait a second. Most of that production from Dalvin came on the ground. It wasn't. It wasn't through the air. So is it a Latavius, you know, Murray in that situation? I feel like the Saints defense has gotten better. Um, you know, in yeah. that front over the years. So that's one to kind of suss out. It's weird. If Dalvin had gotten all his production in week one through the air, I'd be totally on McKinnon right now. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna kinda I'm gonna kinda have to think about it. I'm starting to warm up with a cup of coffee here to uh Case Keenum. He's cheap. You know, he's only two hundred dollars more than Mariota at home. And I like that. I like that. We'll just have, yeah, but we'll have the DFS pod to Go over all this in a little bit more detail. We'll, we'll 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 leave it at that for right now. Do you want to go get into some of the dynasty stuff that that you had for this one? 
Yeah, let me just, I'll just fire out a bunch of names I've got here. Roster Watch Nation has already been asking us <laughs> for, asking us for um, strategy in their dynasty leagues. So let's just throw out a few names. I'll be curious to see what you say. In Dynasty, what about Jay Ajay, Alex? What do you think? I'm not I'm not tripping over my feet, to, tripping over my shoes to go get the guy or anything. Well, you heard what Adam Kaplan told us on one of the, a couple of weeks ago on the SiriusXM show, and it, it basically confirmed completely what we thought, and that is that even if Jay Ajay is around, it's unlikely he's going to be any kind of workhorse for the Eagles moving forward. Guys, we've always hated Jay Ajay. We've always told you to sell high on Jay Ajay. In Dynasty Leagues, if I owned Ajay, I'm absolutely going out. Well, maybe while people think he's going to be the starter there next year, I'd ship him off my team. The other guy I'm thinking about selling high on in Dynasty, Alex, is Christian McCaffrey. Jay Ajay swindled us this year with the thoughts that he was going to get the volume. And I finally well, but, came off it. I said, you know what? I hate J.H.I. so much, but I think he's going to get the volume this year. They love him. They talk about him like he's just a mega freak. We have seen the upside whenever his offensive line is healthy. Before those knee, those goddamn knees blow out, they're going to run the legs off of him. They talk about him like he's Michael Jordan. Adam Gates just, I mean, from the combine on, they loved him, you know? like So I, I, I got swindled into buying into too much talk there, getting away from my original evaluation on the guy. Well, you know, you got look with we try to be honest, you know, when we're wrong, we try to admit it and, you know, the are you know, a lot of things were saying that JHI was in a ripe opportunity and coaches that we respect really liked him. He fell out of favor there. That offensive line sucked. What you saw though was Kenyon Drake, once he got volume, he was good. He doesn't need the, the Ajaya, I mean, he needs a good offensive line. They got one, I think, there in Philadelphia. But nonetheless, I'm selling they, well, high. As on, long as it's Peter, Doug huh. Peterson there in Philadelphia, he's gonna make. He's gonna. He is going to make us run around in goddamn circles trying to figure out what's going on with this running back, with this running back yeah. situation. I mean, but honestly, it, in PP, going back to his first year there, it was a nightmare. He would say every week, and for us as analysts and guys having to do rankings. Like he would say every week, we gotta get the, we we gotta get back to giving the ball to Ryan Matthews more. We get like, and then they would give the ball to Ryan Matthews three times, and then just have a whole game of Darren Sproles and stuff. Like it's 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 been a complete nightmare. It's been a running back shuffle the whole time. I I just I expect that to continue. I'm not I'm not interested in any Philadelphia runners in a Doug Peterson offense I, as it currently stands. I have a slight amount of interest in Corey Clement. If I could get him for a wooden nickel, I would like to roster him for that. Um, Christian McCaffrey's another guy I would be looking to sell high on in my dynasty leagues. What do you think, Alex? I don't want McCaffrey. Sell high? Yeah, I don't want him. I mean, I trade I, I traded Christian McCaffrey before this season for Derrick Henry, and I love that move. Oh my God. What a mega throbber. Yeah, I totally agree. So Alex and I are on the same page, guys. Y'all go out and sell JHI. Sell Christian McCaffrey in your dynasty leagues. This offseason, and I, let me just reel off a whole bunch of other names to you here, Alex. You tell me what you think in but, Dynasty. But, but when you sell Christian McCaffrey, you have to sell him by saying, like, look, I'm parting ways with a fucking Cadillac here. Like, this is the this is a real key to my team. I need a lot of pieces for this. You know, this isn't a guy that the Panthers are going to get away from. They've drafted him super high. Jonathan Stewart's not getting any older. Look at his look at how he was used towards the end of the season as far as for PPR. Look at all the dump offs that he was starting to get. They were finally starting to starting to use him. This is not a guy that I'm looking to trade right now. But 
you know, if you can make me a good enough offer, I, so I would, I would, I would at least entertain it. I wouldn't, so I wouldn't, you know, I'd make sure and make sure and, and, you know, of course, like in any trade, you know, make sure and position it in a way that you like, I mean, there are things that you can position as being very, very promising for Christian McCaffrey moving forward. The fact of the matter is for us, he's just started to look a little bit too, like a little bit too peewee out there. I'm not sure how long he can hold up and what sort of sustainable part of that offense that, that he can really be as an inside runner and a guy who you can count on for 15 to 20 touches a week. I'm, I'm not sure we can. I think we, we can count on, count on him for a high volume of targets per week. I think we can count on him for a five reception floor in PPR, but I'm not sure that that's good enough for, for what his, his trade value could possibly be right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, Dave Gettleman told us at the combine that Christian McCaffrey was the best inside the box runner he'd ever scouted since Curtis Martin could be, par- <laughs> could be, could be part of the reason that Dave Gettleman's in New York right now. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't make the same mistake twice. We love Gettleman though. All right. Let me reel off other names here and just tell me what you think, Alex and dynasty. Deontay Foreman. I'm Scott. I mean, you know that I love Deontay, but I'm scared off of him because it's an Achilles injury. To a very young man, I'm not worried at all. You're not worried at all? No, man. These guys just I've I've had to start putting that stuff to bed, man. These guys come back from these injuries these days. The surgery, the physical the, the training, the therapy is just man, too I've good, tried, man. I've tried really hard to find a running back that came successfully back from an Achilles injury. Can you think of one? I, I I don't have one off the top of my head. It's really well. It's 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 really hard to find one. Even if you even if you Google it, um, it's just you, you know, it's it's not something that um, like I'm trying to think of the guys who've had them. You know, uh, I, the one guy I can think of who kind of came back and and who's not a running back, but I remember Demarius Thomas had one, right? Um, what would you take for Deontay Foreman if you rostered him in Dynasty? I'm just, I guess Terrell Suggs had one. I was trying piece to of, think. And he said, "Piece of beast." These guys, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's, there. Junior Gallette had one. There's been a, I mean, obviously a ton Michael, of guys. With Michael Michael Crabtree had one, I think. Steve Smith came back from one at the but, very end of his career. But, I mean, it wasn't I mean, the same. None of, these, but, none of these guys are running backs. So what would you ship Deontay Foreman off for in Dynasty if you rostered him? Would you take a second in your I I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit biased towards Deontay Foreman. I just can't I can't think of a running I'm racking my brain. I remember that Mikel Lashore had his career derailed by one. Um I just I don't know. it's just it's really hard. It's like for a guy like Deontay who really does, people don't understand that he relies so much on his speed, you know. Oh, Arian Foster, the he was never the same after after the Achilles, right? I just, I just think it happened to most of these guys, and they've had a lot more wear and tear. I'm a little more hopeful about a young guy like Deontay who's going to have a little time to come back from it. But it, it, look, there's reason for concern. That's why I threw his name out there. I see it as a potential buy low possibility. You sound a little bit nervous about it. That's interesting. It's interesting. And you got and look, the listeners know that we like Deontay Foreman more than just about anybody else does out there. So, I just, um, I just, I would just like to know. If we're skeptical, then it's maybe I would reason just, to be I would nervous. just like to know. I look. 
I think coming into next season, if the if the Texans do retain Alfred Blue, which I'm not sure that they will, I kind of think they might though. He'll he'll be an unrestricted free agent uh, at the start of the new league year, and I think that they'll bring him back because he Alfred Blue was getting tons of work there towards the end of the year, even over Lamar Miller. I would have said that coming back had Deontay stayed healthy, I would have said I would give up a first rounder for him because I think he's going to be the feature back next year. I think they might be kind of starting to phase out Lamar Miller. We don't know what's going to happen with the front office there. We don't know what, you know. Well, they, they could draft a running back easily this year, and there's a lot of good ones. And if that's the case, it would bring in some some competition for Foreman. So that's yeah. certainly, certainly well, something think to think Foreman about. Be, I think that a lot of this is just going to rest around whether Foreman – we're going to need to sniff around it a lot whether Foreman's going to be ready to start the season next year. The good news is, is we have good intel. We're, we're going to be able to know that be, be, before anybody else does. But, I mean, right now everything is still, you know, he's still walking on crutches. Well, and if I made this trade in Dynasty, it wouldn't even really be, it wouldn't be for the beginning of next season, and it might not even be for next season at all. Right. I get it. I get it. So, so for that kind of thing, I mean, I think I wouldn't give up more than a late second or something. I'm going to really have to see how these, we're, we're going to have to start making our first Dynasty draft cheat sheets and just kind of see how, after we get our first wave of scouting done around the, you know, around the time of the Combine, we're just going to have to see sort of how these dynasty ADPs are starting to fall and the kind of player that I'm able to get, you know, like, do you remember last year? Like if, like if you can't have a pick before pick number 23 back in for the, for the 2017 dynasty, 22, 23, maybe as late as 26, you know, if you started considering guys like, you know, Kenny Galladay and the rest is guys who you consider, you know, players that you really wanted to add, like, it wasn't, you know, I, I like I would trade away my pick three point zero three or four, certainly a four point zero one in twelve team leagues for virtually anything, you know, that I was interested in. So, I don't know. I think that probably if if this year falls about like that, with the concentration of talent being mainly for the first two rounds, I think I would only consider trading for Deontay with like a pick at the end of the second or maybe the beginning of the third, knowing what we know right now about a situation. Because I wouldn't put any stock right now in Deontay Foreman being able to go for the start of the season uh, in 2018, and like like you said, probably be, probably be making that acquisition more for 2019 purposes. All right, let me keep firing through here, Alex. I got several more guys. Joe Mixon, dynasty. Oh man, do you think that do you think that he would be worth a late first as far as a trade? Yeah, I, I fucking love Joe Mixon moving forward, especially if they bolster that offensive line. Yeah, I think that next. I think next year's gonna. Yeah, is it the breakout next year? I mean, you guys remember what happened with Le'Veon Bell from year one to year two? Was he? It was a. We didn't even recognize the guy. Yeah, it was, was a, that it was a quantum leap. Looked like a different runner. There's there's a real well, chance that's well, what's in store well, for Joe Mixon. Well, but just to tap the brakes there a little bit, Joe Mixon won't be able to transform transform his body the same way that Le'Veon did, and Le, I think that Le'Veon's body transformation had a good bit to do with that. But I I do think that I do think that you know the game slows down for these guys. They get a year in the system. Um. I think that it's all. I think that you know, regardless of what you think about Marvin Lewis and his staff there in in Cincinnati, the fact that he's coming back does bring some some stability to all of that. So, yeah, I like Mixon. I, I dude, and, he, and, and I Lewis was I clearly really thought about him. Much, he was but, clearly willing to give Mixon a huge workload when he was healthy. Yeah, too. towards the end. I mean, towards the end, it was twenty touches for Joe Mixon and just count, just chalk it up. 
So those are the kind of guys that Marvin Lewis likes to ride or die with, man. Yeah. No, I like I like Joe Do Mixon. You think, I think is Mixon sneaky. available? Is it available? Is he available? Oh yeah. You don't think so? He might. That's why he's on my list. But the more I think about how much I like him, I'm wondering if I was crazy for thinking he's available. But he must. Yeah. So you guys go sniff around Joe Mixon in your leagues, right, yeah, Alex? I like. I love the idea of sniffing around Joe Mixon. I'll be interested to see what his MFL 10 ADP is once those things get kicked up and going. Dalvin Cook. Oh God! I mean, if you can get him, you're not going to be able to get him. <laughs> you know. You're not going to be able to get him. He went at 2.01 in this uh, this mock draft that I just got done doing with the Sirius XM Experts League with like you know pretty smart guys like Jeff Ratcliffe and Mike Clay, and Ratcliffe took him at the two, at the one two turn at 2.01. So I I don't think that many people are going to many sharp players are going to be sleeping too much on Dalvin Cook with how good he looked this year. I, do, do you think if Dalvin Cook would have stayed healthy for the entire season, we, we would be talking about him as Rookie of the Year? It was going to be a monster, man. That that crippled my fantasy team losing Dalvin Cook this year. It was going to be an absolute monster. Any concerns that Latavius Murray has carved a legitimate role in the running game? Well, he certainly, he certainly carved one. He certainly carved a more significant one than he would have had Dalvin been there. Because had Dalvin been there the whole year and stayed healthy, he would be getting his ass cut like he probably deserves to be. I have concerns about a reduced workload for Dalvin next year. If I was going to acquire him in Dynasty, it'd be for the monsters that I imagine in the years to come beyond that. Um, I guess sounds to, I guess sounds that makes to me like a sense. I mean, who are they going to run? Yeah, because that's a great defense. And who are they going to run the clock out with? I'm not sure it's Dalvin. I don't know. Maybe, it, dude, Dalvin's so good. It could be a Michael Jordan rule. You can't keep him off the field. It seems like at the very, certainly at the very beginning of the season, coming off the injury, getting him back into getting it back into the flow of things. It's going to be a nightmare uh, ro- ro- rotation. I'm sure. I have a feeling that Rick Spielman is very happy with himself about the Latavius Murray signing. Um, okay, Allen Robinson. Well, it's very speculative right now, right? Because I don't think he's coming back to Jacksonville. Um, I kind of do. I hate it. I think, that, well, we'll see. We'll see. You think that they'll re-sign him even with everybody? That, now that they got Keelan Cole for cheap, they got Didi for cheap. You know they've had to pay Alan Hearns, but they can probably get out of that one pretty soon. I'll have to let me pull. Man, up. I've been inside that locker room and like, I mean, this isn't a lock, but Alan Robinson is a really nice guy and good teammate. And you could just, I think the team is really fond of Alan Robinson. And I've seen the body types of all those other receivers. They don't, they don't have a guy like, dude. Alan Robinson is a guy that they just tell you is a freak and like maybe the best athlete in the whole building there. And like, he, dude, it reminds me a lot of a Keenan Allen. I mean, when I went to that training camp two years ago, Keenan Allen was having a monster. All the signs were that he was going to have a big season. He went down with the ACL in week one. I feel like the same thing happened with Allen Robinson this year. I went to Jaguars camp. They were saying it was the best Allen Robinson has ever looked. He was a freak in training camp. And, you know, then he got hurt in week one, and we didn't get to see it. And so I wonder... I don't know. Now, can can Blake Bortles put up a big monster to Allen? We've seen it one time. Bortles do a pretty big monster to Allen Robinson. I don't know, but looks like Allen Hearns. His I can't believe that they gave him a forty million dollar contract with twenty million guaranteed. But coming into the twenty eighteen season, he's due seven. Allen Hearns is due seven million. He's with, gone with zero dead cap associated. So he's out. This team needs a player like Allen Robinson to take pressure off of Leonard Fournette and these eight-man well, fronts. Well, what about what about Marquise Lee? Is he not that kind of player to you? 
Is he that kind of player to you? Allen Robinson was really able to get down the field at that 18 yards per catch clip a couple years ago. Marquee, and that's what he did at Penn State, Penn State too. Marquise and Marquise Lee. I mean, Marquise Lee's also, I mean, Marquise Lee's coming into unrestricted free agency himself. So and, that's going to be interesting to see because yes. gonna be they're going to try to, they're going to try to keep Allen. They're going to try to keep Allen Robinson. I think Marquise, he's going to want, you know, uh, do, do, do you know who needs Marquise Lee? Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy. Yeah, like a new Jeremy Macklin, like a young yes. like Jeremy Macklin. Fast. I like that. That's like who they that. need. Like a Nelson Aguilar type in there, somebody yes. that can sl- slip and slide all around the field. Yep. Those t- timing and rhythm passes from Trubisky. I like it. Uh, anyways, Allen Robinson something to watch. I'd love him in Dynasty if he went somewhere else because if he goes somewhere else, that means he's getting a big free agent – contract to be a wide receiver one with that team and i would uh, so i would like that you know hell if Allen robinson went to chicago i'd live and like something like that right but um yeah i think there's a good chance he stays in jacksonville and that a couple of these other guys aren't back and then he's the lead dog uh in an offense with leonard fournette keeping the defense on it and a safety that can't i mean and if you decide to shade a safe safety over him like good luck with Didi on the other side yeah, so, so something yeah. to look at there. Okay, let me let, let's keep rolling here. What about Corey Coleman, Alex? Uh, I mean, I just got to see what happens with the quarterback situation. I hate the Browns, dude. I just hate Hugh Jackson. I hate the ownership. I think that they just. I think they all suck. What about John Ross down the street in Cincinnati? Can I get in for a few wooden nick? A, a few of your wooden nickels. Not for me. Well, I mean, <laughs> I I mean, Marvin Lewis hates him, and Marvin Lewis is a seems like a shitbag the way that he's handled the whole John Ross thing. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a deal where John Ross is going to need to gain the trust of some some people in that building over the course of this offseason because they think he's a donk. You Pretty know? worried about Andy Dalton too. I wish they would fucking start the AJ McCarron show up there. That'd make me feel a lot better. Yeah, about everybody. me too. Isn't that crazy? But it's true. Let's get it McCarron, going. McCarron is a good quarterback prospect. I can't wait to see him get his chance. Trade Andy, what about, tr- trade Andy Dalton uh, to the Giants or something? Yeah, I think it's, I, I would. I would look, they're going to be faced with the Jimmy Garoppolo decision here with McCarron here in short order. We'll see what they do. Uh, what about Corey Davis? Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of interest in Corey Davis. Um, Can you now, get a deal on him? Well, I mean, that's the thing is that the guy in your league probably, well, not if he used our cheat sheets, but uh, there's a good chance that he took him at, you know, 1.01 or 1.02 this year. So I'm not sure if they're going to, but, you know, at some point you got to come off these guys. I think that Corey Davis, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a prime candidate to, Make big moves next year, you know. I mean, it's he, coming out of, uh, you know, coming from a small school. We always knew there was going to be some kind of learning curve, and uh, he he also missed all of OTAs. You know, he he missed everything this year, and he has struggled to stay healthy as it is. I think coming into a season with a clean slate, he's a big beastly guy with Demarius Thomas slash Des Bryant upside, but like young Des Bryant, faster Des Bryant, so. Yeah, I'm interested in him. I think I'm about as interested in him. I'm think I, you know, I think I'm more interested in probably a Joe Mixon, who I said I, I might part ways with like a pick, 
you know, one point zero. I don't know, man. Because I like I don't like I I don't know. Winter guy like winter guys like Sony Michelle and some of these dudes going to be going in Dynasty. I don't if want they, him over Joe Mixon. Do you? Do you I want, like do, him? Do do you want him? Do you want him over Corey Davis? A Michelle from just from what you know right now, and, and this is no, and, no, uh, no, no, no. Okay, right. No, and, so, no, and, and just no. so all of Roster Watch Nation knows, we're gonna have all kinds of pro day videos for all these guys. We're gonna have scouting analysis like you've never believed. We're gonna talk to sources that you've never heard from because that's what we do. We go to the ends of the earth to find this information for you. Sony Michelle, just right off the top though, is a guy who I really like. <laughs> you know, coming into this process, so uh, I think I like. I think that I wouldn't part ways with anything more than like an early two for Corey Davis right now. And I think dude, getting it done for that would be something that his owner might, might find insulting. Oh. So, yeah. Sonny, does he remind you more of Kenyon Drake or Alvin Kamara? Both. You can say both, right? Yeah. We're allowed to. Yeah. All right. A few more wide receivers here. And then I got a couple of sneaky tight ends before we get out of here. What about um, Los Angeles Chargers? Mike Williams, Alex. Oh God, I would love it. I would. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay. I'm not gonna pay what his owner wants for him. His owner's a Mike Williams truther in every dynasty league, fucking guaranteed. That um, is hilarious. It's but it's but it's but but it's a hundred percent true, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. So I I'm think not gonna it be able is. To get him <laughs> because he be... was a polarizing prospect, <laughs> yeah, right? Yep. Yes. And they had to take him early, and they had to take a stand, and now they're fucking holding tight. I guarantee it. But I think know, if, if 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 I can get if, if I can get him for a, a rate, if, if I can get him for a similar to Corey Davis rate, I'm going to try. I think you can maybe get him cheaper than Corey Davis. We'll see. What about Josh Doxson? Extremely interested, as always. Extremely interested. Are you afraid that we still saw Flash, but just a guy who's not putting it together? Altogether, absolutely. But I think the I think the price you could get him for is baked into that. All right, would you trade away Deshaun Jackson for Josh Doxson in Dynasty? Yes. Would you trade away? I'm trying to think of somebody a little bit because. Would you trade away D.D. Westbrook for Josh Doxson in Dynasty? Probably, yeah. Even though he's young. Okay. Would you trade a, so so you like Josh Doxson? If if liking him more than DD Westbrook means that I like him, then sure. Would you trade Marquise Goodwin for uh Josh Doxson? Yes. You would? Yes. So that means you like him. That's okay. a good quarterback and a good a good wide receiver. And 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 you think cousin you know concerns about cousins? No concerns about cousins not coming back? You're the one who likes him more than Marquise Goodwin. Do you not have concerns about it? You, it's, it's so funny how high we've gotten on Marquis Goodwin. Uh, I Josh Doxson is just a look. We like Marquise, Goodwin, but it's, Marquis Goodwin's <laughs> a target monster. With Jimmy I get Garoppolo. it, I get it. It's just it's in terms of any kind of NFL wide receiving talent in a mold that you can well, ever dream of. But, but he's turning better. His average yeah, depth of target came no, way down. I, like he was running better routes. He's gotten better. I've been all over the Marquise Goodwin thing. Hell, we thought we thought Goodwin looked good at the Senior Bowl. And what was that? Two thousand thirteen or twelve is when the Raiders were coaching Dennis mm. Allen. I mean, they were manufacturing touches. For, Goodwin has always looked good, man. It's right. just finally it's taken a while, man. He's I think he and he's not injured anymore. Love the fit. I don't know. I, that's that's close. Maybe I'm sleeping on Goodwin. I just think of Doxon as a guy with much more career upside. 
Yeah, but then a hey, hey, no, no, uh, no. Kirk Cousins worries me, but I, I you know, what are they going to do if it's not Kirk Cousins? Are they, are they just going to go to Colt? Because I, I'm not that worried if it's cold back there. Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. No, I, so. I actually would be just fine if it was cold. All right, let me buzz through the tight ends here, Alex, before we wrap up. Any any concerns about Evan Ingram moving forward with that quarterback situation in New York and Dynasty? And is there is there any opportunity to buy low on O.J. Howard? Oh, I think for sure on O.J. Howard, and I would. I would. That's a guy who I would – I mean – I might give up more for OJ Howard. Would you? How 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 about this? If you could have in Dynasty one asset, OJ Howard or Corey Davis, who would you rather have? I think it's probably Corey. I Davis. think it still is Corey Davis. Yeah, I think it is too. So I'm not sure there is going to be much of an opportunity to buy OJ Howard, considering his pricing. You know, was 1.06 ish to 1.08 ish in dynasty, you know, last year. And now I'm going to want to be getting him in a 12 team league for 2.07 ish or something like that. Mid to late second round is what I think I would pay up for an OJ Howard. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get it done. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm going to be able to get that done. A couple of guys I think are a lot sneakier that could be had for hopefully cheaper. Uh, speaking of San Francisco, what do you think about George Kittle and dynasty Alex? I love him. Yeah, that's a guy you. I think you can get as some kind of throw in, you know. You you can, like a, a trade. Just you know, if you, you got a trade, like that's a piece where if there's a guy on a, a team that you're interested in that you know you're looking to make a trade, you throw in Kittle and see if the guy will even blink about it. He might not. I mean that that will be a fucking steal. That will be robbery. You guys mark that down. The Shanahan's have loved the tight end position for as many years as I can remember back to Brent Jones with the 49ers in the early nineties, George Kittle is a freak and a beast and a guy that we've loved since last year's scouting process. I don't care about Garrett Selleck and all these guys long-term. I love a George Kittle with the Jimmy Garoppolo for years to come. That could, that could turn disgusting in dynasty. Agreed. Yeah. I, I really like that call. Last but not least, something we'll be sniffing around in the off season. Is there enough bandwidth for Gerald Everett to come to life because I fucking love that guy in the Rams offense. And from what I've seen when, when he does get the action and from what I've seen him live and it can't be, it's an unbelievable fit. How much bandwidth is there for him? What do you think about Gerald Everett as a sneaky tight end option in dynasty? How awesome was the senior bowl for tight ends last year? Jesus, man, that Gerald Everett is just a guy that went under the radar because of all the OJ Howard and Evan Ingram love. Um, not, not interested. Jared Goff can't get to his third read anyway, unless and I just I don't think that the tight ends are primary reads in that deal, despite the fact that that had been the case with Sean McVay previously. I, I just I think that it's Robert Woods, and I just think that the I think that the targets that kind of used to go to the tight ends there and the slot and in the seam and Gurley and Cup. It's Gurley and Cup on wheel routes and on seam routes and little digs and stuff. So I think that that's just. I think, the, but you asked about the bandwidth for it to make it a possibility. You know, as this offense evolves, I think that things like that can always happen. But for me, it's like when you got a guy like Cup, whose job is so, so clearly defined as a guy that can exploit the seam, who can, who can, who can do those little things like that. You know, I just think schematically, when you can kind of have that chess piece in that place, 
it doesn't make as much sense to have, you know, a read with a tight end, you know, in that same place or in similar kinds of, you know, places on the football field as well, even though, you know, we all know that a tight end being in that kind of position can be the bigger kind of Jordan Reed sort of beastlier go up and get the contested catch kind of player. Um, you got a you cat meowing back there, Alex? <laughs> that's not a cat meowing. That's a little That's a little baby starting to wake up from a nap. So it's probably, probably means it's time to get the hell out of here. <laughs> hey, just qu- quickly, though, I just want yep. you guys to – you guys just please for me, keep an eye on Gerald Everett the next couple of years. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna really see it, whether it translates to big dynasty – Steve production. I just want I, I want everybody to remember Gerald Everett. He's that that kid's going to be a really good player in Los Angeles. Little baby Merritt Dunlap just turned one month old yesterday. He is waking the hell up from his nap. That means we are getting the hell out of here. This has been the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. Remember, go to RosterWatch.com, get a pro membership. You can also support us by please subscribing to the podcast, giving it a good rating and a review on iTunes. We are back to our off-season content schedule here on the pod, coming at you two times a week. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening today. So for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, for the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, this has been the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time.